Today's topic is What You Focus On Grows, Part 1. Almost everyone remembers playing with a magnifying glass when they were a kid. It's fun. You hold it at varying distances from what you're looking at, and you see how things get larger. Most kids then take it outside and try out what they've heard about focusing the sun's rays on something they want to burn. First, it's a leaf, and then the ever-present ant. Kids chase the ant around with a focused beam of sunlight, and usually the ant winds up toast. Cruel to the ant, yes, but kids do learn something from all of this. They learn that sunlight really can be focused into an intense beam that has power. They learn that magnifying glasses, just curved pieces of glass when sitting on a table, can become light and energy intensifiers. They learn that what they focus the glass on becomes bigger. Words become bigger. Fingernails become bigger. Even the power of the sun becomes concentrated and under their control. The focusing effect of magnifying glasses is powerful. Later on in school, children and adults may learn how the magnifying glass works. The convex lens operates by angling reflected light off an image so that these angled rays of light meet at a point above the object. The closer that point is to your eye, the better it's magnified. By moving the lens closer and farther away from the object, you change the focus of these angled lines, and the object appears smaller or larger, clearer or fuzzier. The whole point of the magnifying glass is that you can use the lens to focus on things and make them larger, to magnify them. Now, this principle of optics doesn't apply just in terms of vision and light. It also applies in life. This is because our minds are very much like magnifying glasses. What we focus our mind and attention on grows much, much larger. It's magnified. What you focus on grows. Big deal, you might say. What do I care if what I focus on grows? Actually, if you'll keep listening for the next five to ten minutes, I'll tell you why it is a big deal, a very big deal, and why using this principle or law of life, what you focus on grows, effectively can help you change your life for the better. First, what does focus mean? If someone asked you today, right now, for example, to define the word focus, what would you say? Stop for a few seconds and think about it. What would you tell them? Given what we've just discussed about light, you might say that focus is angling light rays to a single point. That would be a good enough definition for focus as a verb with respect to light rays. But how about with respect to everyday life? How would you define focus? Focus as a noun is a Latin word that means hearth or fireplace, a place in a house where things are burned. So focus is the place of energy concentration, or in reverse, the place from which energy radiates, like a fireplace. Focus as a verb means, then, to concentrate on, to cause energy to converge on, and to selectively bring the energy of your attention to bear on something. This definition of focus is important because it's all about energy, and energy is power.
How does focusing on something get played out in life? From a psychological point of view, focusing on something requires several processes about which you probably aren't aware, even though you perform them all the time. First, the object must have salience to you. Salience comes from another Latin word, salire, which means to jump or to leap. So salience means that something leaps out at you or leaps up in you. This suggests that the thing needs to be important to you, to really mean something to you, and to have real value to you, so that you'll choose to focus on it. Something needs to be salient or important enough for us to attract our attention. That's the next step in the focusing process. Second, we have to selectively attend to the object that is important or salient to us. Now, my left foot is very important to me. I really like it, and I want to keep it. Although it is salient to me, I'm not paying much attention to it. Now, if I stub a toe on my left foot in a minute, or drop something heavy on my left foot, you better believe that it's going to get my attention. So my left foot, as yet unharmed, is important and it's salient to me, but I'm not really attending to it. I'm not focusing on it. Salience alone, then, is not enough for focus. You also need to add some selective attention. My attention right now is selectively pointed toward writing this podcast sentence and the next ones, because these sentences are salient to me. Salience plus selective attention equals focus. Because I'm focusing my energy on these sentences, they're growing longer and are being recorded. What you focus on grows. If, however, I was not focused on creating them, there would be no sentences at all, because focus creates growth. Third, focus on an object means that I become very sensitive to it. I increasingly detect its presence or its absence because I'm paying selective attention to it as something that is salient to me. For example, a few years ago, when I needed a new car, someone suggested that I think about buying a certain make and model. I'd never thought about that car before. In fact, I hadn't even really noticed them. After it was suggested to me, I looked at it online and I sort of liked it. Then I went to a local dealership and I sat in one, played around with it, and test drove it. These cars were now salient to me, and I was selectively attending to them. I was focused, and that focus led me to buy one, after which I started noticing them everywhere in all sorts of colors. Did they just appear because I bought one? No, they'd always been there. I just had not detected them because I wasn't paying attention to them since they weren't salient to me before someone's suggestion of them. After I bought one, I became sensitive to them and still detect them when I see them. I focus on them and I see them every day. Okay, so how does all this work on the practical everyday level in terms of making some changes in your life by using the power of focus? Let's start with focusing on negative things so we can end discussing the results of a positive focus. A sure way of multiplying your problems in life, things that are salient to you because they are your problems, is to pay more attention to them by thinking about them more. 
really concentrating on how awful and bad they are, rehearsing all their nasty attributes over and over in your mind until you have them completely memorized, sharing them with everyone, even writing them all down so you won't forget any of them. All of these activities are focusing behaviors, and focusing on problems causes them to expand and grow in your mind until all you can see are your problems getting bigger and bigger, filling your entire mental field of vision. Pretty soon, it gets so crowded with problems that nothing new and positive can get in at all. Then you start noticing problems everywhere. You become very sensitive to them, and all you come to see are problems. Yours, mine, his, hers, theirs, everybody's problems all get your attention. Sound fun? You can recognize someone who's actively focusing on and thus growing their problems like kudzu in a Georgia summer because problems are all they discuss. Over and over and over they review them with you to make sure that you, like them, will never forget them. If you dare to suggest to such a negatively focused person that they may be overlooking something positive or creative in their life, they will quickly reassure you that nothing good is there, or if there, can long remain alive because their problems will soon crowd it out. And you know what? They're right. They are feeding their problems so much every day by focusing energy on them, and they're so consistent in depriving anything potentially good of any focused energy that their problems will, in fact, continue to choke out everything else. Anything good, loving, wise, hopeful, creative, any solutions or positive elements all wither without energy, since the person's focus is directed elsewhere. They are instead growing their problems by giving them all their focus energy. This is a sad example of the effectiveness, with a negative outcome, of this law of life. What you focus on grows. The good news is that this law is neutral. It doesn't care what you focus on. The law simply says that what you choose to focus on grows, period. You are the one who will have to make that choice because the truth is that you are going to focus somewhere. That's just what living minds do. Because it is your mind, you not only get to choose, but as we have learned in episode one of the Irreverent Psychologist podcast, you are entirely responsible for choosing that on which you focus. You choose what you will grow in your life. Where you focus is your responsibility. You can choose if you want to focus on positive rather than negative things or problems. If you focus your energy on what is good about your life, what you already have that you want, what you're already blessed with, these things will grow. All of this is certainly not to say, just forget your concerns or things in life that aren't working and they'll all go away. No, that would be irresponsible and foolish. But it is to say that if you focus more on what is already positive and positive solutions to issues you're working on changing, these things will grow. Okay. So how do you recognize someone who is focusing on 
and growing positive, productive things in their life. First, you will see them moving. Yes, I mean physically moving. You will not see them planted on their ass on a couch like a potato. Positively focused people are up and doing. What are they doing? Well, almost anything that even remotely relates to making what good they already have larger or giving away some of what they have or working to make problem issues smaller. They are talking about their goals and they're describing their objectives they're working on to achieve those goals. They're framing their language in terms of achievement, expansion, increase, more, etc. They may even be writing down their blessings to remember them, to relish them, to review and share them with others. They are thinking about these good things, thanking God or the universe or fate for them, and they're feeling good about having them. In short, they are growing all these positive aspects in their lives like they are in a greenhouse. So many positive things growing that problems either get put on the side because they aren't big enough to warrant attention, or, if they are big enough, are solved by proactively working on solutions to them rather than just giving energy to the problem itself. And as above, these people become much more sensitive to positive things and blessings outside themselves. They see them everywhere. Yours, mine, his, hers, theirs. Everybody's positive and creative movement forward gets their attention. It gets so crowded with good things that it's hard for negative things to get a foothold for long. Sound like more fun than focusing on the negatives? Yes, it is. And it's infinitely more productive because this approach focuses on positive solutions to problems rather than on the existence of the problems themselves. Focus and sustained work on positive solutions means more implemented positive solutions for problems, which means more problems are solved, which in turn means fewer problems and a greater percentage of positive outcomes. Focus on problems means more problems. Focus on solutions means more solutions. What you focus on grows. You pick what you want more of and what you want to grow. We've talked about people focused on problems and people focused on solutions. So, which person are you? Find out right now. Write down all your problems on the left side of a piece of paper, and then write down all your blessings, the good things in your life, and all your positive solutions on the right side. Which side is bigger? Now take a good long look at your lists. If you're like most people, you were able to capture even the tiniest problem. You didn't forget any of those little guys. Were you, though, as careful in capturing all the little blessings? Did you go into as much detail about all the things that are really good? How about all the things you completely forget about on a daily basis, but that if you lost any one of them, you would really notice it by its absence? How about the fact that you can hear me speaking this sentence? Some people can't. Some people can't hear or see or walk or drive or eat without help or even get out of bed every morning because they're too sick or in too much pain. Did you write your lists as I suggested above? If so, you did what a number of my current clients with significant hand tremors can't do. Write. 
Try a day not driving, walking, reading, writing, and holding things. See how that feels. If you really want to tune into all the good things you already have but don't really notice or appreciate, just go to any nursing home and spend one hour there. See what the residents there have and what they don't have. Notice who is in their life and who is not. See what they can do and what they can't do. Then look at your lists again. Kind of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? There are probably at least 25 large or small blessings, positive things or solutions in your life that you overlooked. Write them down. Focus on them. Appreciate them. Make them grow. Our minds are extremely powerful, and very, very few of us are at all aware of just how powerful they truly are. We use our minds to focus on things, that is, to attend to things that are salient to us. The power of that focus is not unlike the power of a magnifying glass focusing the rays of the sun. Think about all the things that have been achieved by men and women over the history of this planet. Men and women have made incredible achievements in science, math, medicine, electronics, art, social and political systems, manufacturing, construction, communication, and on and on and on. How do they accomplish any one of these things? It all began with a single thought. One person, usually, had an idea, a thought that something that did not yet exist as an ability or achievement could exist and could be done if enough mental energy, focus, and work were directed toward it. Someone chose something she or he thought was important or salient to people, and that person selectively attended to it, and in the process became very sensitive to similar solutions or achievements. They may have also looked at completely different solutions or achievements for clues as to how to proceed, but they only knew which solutions were completely different by first knowing which ones were totally similar. They had to know one before they could figure out the other. This person probably also shared their idea with others who then caught the salience of the idea and began to focus their attention on it. More focus and more energy expressed as thought and work and learning through success and failure over time yielded a novel solution or product that had never existed before like the cell phone, computer, the internet, and the podcast technology we are both using right this second. Somebody, decades ago, focused on each of these as a possibility, and then made each real through sustained focus and hands-on work. This is just one example of the power of our minds to create what had never before existed. Because you too have a perfectly good mind, you also have this power to create more of what you want in your own life through your use of focus. But how do you actually do it? In part two of What You Focus On Grows, we will talk specifics and get into the nitty-gritty of how to evaluate what's really important to you right now. We'll use three Watergate tests, I'll explain what those are in the podcast, to help us get very clear about what we want or need to focus on and an easy five-step process we can follow to use our focus to grow what we want more of in our lives and decrease what we want less of. It will be cool.
This week on The Irreverent Psychologist, we've been talking about what you focus on grows, part one of a two-part podcast on this topic. I hope this has been helpful to you. For more information about the contents of this podcast and to read more about the power of focus, go to www.theirreverentpsychologist.net and look for Episode 3, Part 1. Next week on The Irreverent Psychologist, we'll be discussing Part 2 of What You Focus on Grows. My name is Dr. Michael Grant, and I am The Irreverent Psychologist. I'll see you next time.